Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to an HBO podcast from the HBO Late Night series, Real Time with Bill Maher. Okay, here we back are. Here we back are. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of you literary lions to tell me how to speak English. Rehearsing for Yoda? Yeah. Uh, Tim Gunn, what was it like for your father working with J. Edgar Hoover in the FBI? Yes, I read that in your book. Your father worked uh, in the FBI, and you have some interesting stories about that. Well, he that. was there for 26 years. He was um, he was an agent, but he was primarily Hoover's ghostwriter. He wrote his uh, books and his speeches. Agent provocateur. Yes. <laughs> right? But have you heard my yes. crazy story? Oh, I'd like to, to tell it to everyone. Well, just briefly. Um, my sister and I were big I Love Lucy fans, and we would visit Dad at, at his office once a year and take the FBI tour. It was a big Washington thing. And one day, uh, we were there, and Dad said, would you like to meet Vivian Vance? Ethel Mertz? Ethel Mertz. Right, right. Who wouldn't want to meet Vivian Vance? <laughs> Ethel Mertz. So we went into Hoover's office and met her, and she was gracious and wonderful. And many years later, and my father was gone, a lot came out about Hoover cross-dressing. A lot. Um, and it was all very interesting. My mother didn't believe any of it and said, rightfully so, this would have killed your father. It probably would have. But when it came out, I said to my sister, don't you think it's a little strange that Mr. Hoover wasn't in the office with Vivian Vance? <laughs> I mean, put a fright wig on him. But, but of all the people, if you weren't cross-dressing... Why would you dress as Vivian Bench? Wouldn't you want to do it somebody more glamorous? Well, size 22, was he? Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> Dagger Hoover looked a bit like an English bulldog, so right. sorry, apologies I, to Vivian Vance. Right. But what's interesting is um, Simon & Schuster's legal team investigated everything in this book, and they looked into this, and they talked to Vivian Vance's two biographers who had never heard or knew about a visit to the FBI. Then they checked the visitor logs... No Vivian Vance. Mm-hmm. So, interesting story. Did your father know this, or...? You know, Fran, I'll never know. <laughs> I'll never know. But you have uh, theories that maybe your father was... I think my father was such a homophobe, I'm confident he was a closet case. And I think that may have been true of all the, up, up, uh, the upper echelons of, of the Bureau. Um, it was a very interesting collection of men. <laughs> The show has gone so well up to now. <laughs> uh, Brett Stevens, what do you think of Harvard's decision to hire Chelsea Manning as a visiting fellow, and then they withdrew the withdrew the offer today? Hmm. Yeah. Um, that's a that's a loaded question. A visiting a fellow, of... what? Look. Well, yeah. It was a... they invited her up to talk. Yeah. They, yeah. They invited her up to give a. Oh, just to give a speech. Yeah. Um, I don't think the invitation should have been issued, but once it was issued, it certainly shouldn't have been rescinded. Um, I think that... Because uh, you think Chelsea Manning's a traitor. Well, I think Bradley Manning put a lot of human beings in danger by what he did, by his disclosures. I don't even think that's debatable. But Bradley, Chelsea Manning, spent seven years in prison. His sentence was commuted by the President of the United States. 
he's free, she's free, and uh, she well, should be able to live her life. And uh, if Harvard wants to invite her and hear from her, just not to they should hear. I mean, I think the whole the, the whole business of disinvitation mm. is a sickness in this country. I agree. Hearing people and is a precondition for for being able to disagree with them. And also that everybody has to be fired the second you don't like one thing they said. Right. I mean, they certainly go after me with this. It happened to you when you went to the New York Times. This, this, uh, the, the White House is asking for this ESPN reporter to be fired. Right. Because you know, there's it, no other problems in the country. Right. <laughs> you know, or the world. The world is a placid Eden. So he can concentrate on this. I know, but it's not just him. I mean, everybody seems to go immediately to, you have to disappear altogether if I don't like one thing you said ever, mm. as opposed to what we used to do, which is just, oh, I didn't like that. What's on the other channel? Yeah. I, I, had, I had some experience of people wanting me to disappear forever. Would they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you won. All right, friend. So uh, far. So far. Uh, Knock on wood. Okay, besides New York, are there any American cities you describe as great? Chicago. Yeah, I love Chicago. I mean, Ch Chicago is the only other American city that feels really like a city to me. You know, I mean, there are, you know... San Francisco, it's an adorable little town. Um, you know, <laughs> L.A. is very spread out, doesn't yes. have, you know, any feeling of density. Um, but Chicago really feels like a city. I like Chicago. But you're not really saying that L.A. is lacking in intellectualism, is it? Because that, that is such a... Oh. No, I was saying okay. it's not right. densely populated. It's spread out. That's what we like about it. <laughs> That's what you like about it. That's what I like, exactly. Right. But, but it doesn't you know. feel like a city. It's not urban because it's not dense But it's not dense normal. Enough. I, for, to me, it's just not normal to live in a building. You know, I, I don't care how nice your apartment is. I always know there's somebody on the other side of that wall and they're farting and cooking and <laughs> fighting, and it's just wrong. I'd rather live in the shittiest little single-dwelling house than live in a building. Right, I don't, but just but don't... in houses, outside, axe murderers. <laughs> 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 and no doormen. Okay. Horrible combination. Uh, Sal, what is the antidote to political correctness on college campuses? Axe murderers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. the, the antidote is to ignore it, and to get and to speak severely to people who want to propagate right. it, you know. And I mean, actually, I have to say, in my experience of the American Academy, which is now getting on for twenty years, I have never had a student say to me that he wanted a trigger warning or she wanted a safe space. Right. Or a, you know, I've never had. <laughs> I mean, I hear that it happens around the country. Right. I have no personal experience of it, so I don't know how much of it there is. But you know, what's missing, I think, is leadership. I think too much of too many campus administrators are basically cowed yes. by small minorities of totalitarian-minded students who just don't want to hear anything except what they're disposed to agree with. Right. And the job of grown-ups is to behave like grown-ups and say, no, intellectually, a college is not a safe space. Yeah. Intellectually, a college is going to be a place where your ideas are harmed and perhaps even destroyed, and that's as it should be. I agree. Absolutely. The college should be a safe space for thought. Yes. Right. Not, not a safe space from thought. Right. And if you go to college and you never hear anything you haven't thought before, or, then, you know, you may as well have stayed home. 
Right. And, well, and, and, and people who think that they should never hear things that would upset them should go somewhere else and leave that space available to somebody who can benefit from what is called education. And as a teacher for 29 yeah. years, I saw a large part of my responsibility to be to provoke and challenge. Absolutely. Oh, That's yeah. what a teacher does. Okay. Uh, does the backlash against Hillary's book have anything to do with sexist attitudes about women expressing anger? Women express is she expressing anger? Uh, well, there certainly have been enough. a lot of men telling her to shut up. You know, or men about... explaining what she did wrong. For the first six months, men were constantly saying, here's what Hillary Clinton did wrong. Right. You know, and it just enraged me. Because Donald Trump didn't win because he did something right. He won because he did something wrong. Yes. I mean, it was... You know, I didn't know there was a big back backlash against her book by uh, all the... Well, you know, probably every politician, every politician, winner or loser, writes a damn book. Right, exactly. gets paid $6 million yes. and the books sell four copies. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and publishers think this is worth it. Right. You know, I mean, I want to know how that happens. I'd like to be paid $6 million for books that sell four copies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but I said it last week, I'll say it again. I think future historians will be just so puzzled why so many people in America found Hillary Clinton to be this polarizing. I mean, I could see why you wouldn't vote for her. You wouldn't vote for her unless it was I, Donald Trump, right? You, I mean, you wouldn't right, vote I for mean, her. In any other situation, you wouldn't have, you know, McCain or Mitt Romney. I mean, there's nobody else in the Republican Party, practically, you could probably think No, of. on the contrary. Uh, oh, really? I could never have voted for a guy like Mike Pence. Really? Yeah. You course. would vote for Hillary over Mike Pence? Yeah, probably. You are my hero, but... <laughs> <laughs> the problem is... Was, you the, see, they come out here to California and we... Well, no, but the problem with... The difference between Trump and Pence is that Trump is an authentic fraud, right? And Pence is, in a sense, exactly the opposite. He's he a fraudulent authentic. You um, don't... You know, and when Pence sort of attests to Donald's goodness as a man, and you know he doesn't believe a word no. of it, but he's saying this with this kind of, of pious, oleaginous, fake sincerity. Right. It's terrible, because you know he... You, with Trump, you never know that he knows that he's lying. But it's... Right? Because there's always the interface yeah. of of the, the manic personality disorders, but Pence is a man in his right mind. Yes, and that's why that's he's preferable. Is that I've seen Mike Pence before. You're right, he's a typical arch-conservative Christian hypocrite. And we've seen them before, and to use your phrase, it's a survivable event. I could do Mike Yes, but Pence. you asked me whether I would vote for him, yes. whether he's a survivable... No, I'm very surprised to hear you say that. Is there anybody else who you think I'm on the right who you would prefer Hillary Clinton to? Uh, ben Carson, uh, Mike yeah. Huckabee. Mike Huckabee, wow. I, I don't like this hyper-piousness in Republican politics. I mean, the Republican Party, <laughs> at its best, in a dream world, the Republican Party would stand for aspiration, opportunity, and inclusion. That's, that's a Democrat. What, that's, that's, no, that's what it should be. <laughs> okay. That's the Democratic Party. But especially on the aspiration <laughs> front. It is a right-to-rise party. Now, we can have an argument, right. perfectly sensible, whether their right. solutions are right, but it's aspirational. It means going from lower middle class right. to upper class, from Joni Ernst to senator, for example. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Get shoving, those bags off her feet. But shoving... <laughs> 
Shoving someone else's Christian piety down my Jewish throat is not kosher. Well, it's not going to happen tonight. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, panel. Catch all new episodes of Real Time with Bill Maher every Friday night at 10, or watch him anytime on HBO On Demand. For more information, log on to HBO.com.